Hi, I'm Phil Moorhart, Associate Editor of American Libraries, the magazine of the American Library Association, and this is the Dewey Decibel Podcast. It's something that we've all done and something that most of us dread doing, looking for a job. It can be an arduous process of updating resumes, writing cover letters, networking, interviewing, the waiting. It can produce anxiety, and for good reason. The end results are literally life-changing. We stress because the stakes are high. And the same goes for those on the other side of the equation, too. Organizations looking to hire new employees face a different, but no less significant set of challenges. Finding the right candidate for a job can be like hunting for a needle in a haystack if the search isn't conducted correctly. So what to do? What can job seekers and employers do to improve the entire process to everyone's benefit? This month on the Dewey Decimal Podcast, we hope to answer those questions. First, Jamie Santoro from ALA Editions speaks with Caitlin Williams. She's the author of Be Opportunity Minded, Start Growing Your Career Now. Williams offers tips for those on the job hunt and discusses job market trends. Next, I speak with David Connolly. He's recruitment ad sales manager for ALA's job list. David and I discuss what job hunters and employers should be doing to find the right job and candidates for jobs. But first, a word from a sponsor. November 27th is Giving Tuesday, the global day of giving that kicks off the charitable season. And on this important day, we hope you'll think of ALA. Your gift allows us to continue our work to advocate for libraries in the profession of librarianship, create initiatives to promote diversity in the library workforce, promote equal access to information and library services, and defend intellectual freedom. Visit ALA.org donate to make a tax-deductible gift, and thank you for all that you do for libraries. Caitlin Williams is an author, speaker, and consultant who has spent the last 30 years working in the field of career development. You may know her from the many workshops that she's conducted at ALA conferences since the year 2000. She's an expert, to put it mildly. Her latest book, Be Opportunity Minded, Start Growing Your Career Now, offers techniques for self-reflection and strategies that will ensure you keep growing regardless of where you are in your career. ALA Editions Acquisitions Editor and frequent Dewey Decimal Contributor Jamie Santoro spoke with Caitlin about her new book, Current Job Market Trends, and much more. Caitlin, welcome to the Dewey Decibel Podcast. Good morning, Jamie. Good to be here. You've spent over 30 years working in the field of career development as author, speaker, and coach. What do you think is new and different about today's work environment? Well, there's so many things that I've seen change over the years, but there's a couple that really stand out for me. So I'd say the first is the need for for constant reskilling, upskilling, and this lifelong learning mindset. You have to have that, otherwise you're going to fall behind. Um, Also, the tenure of jobs has shortened. People change jobs or change fields even more often than they did in the past, which puts 
I think more pressure sometimes on the the professional who's trying to do their very best at their work. Um, so that's an issue. Uh, another change is just the assumptions that we've had for such a long time have all gone out the window. Everything from assumptions about compensation and raises and guidance from your employer and what you should do next. Um, we're all on our own these days and, and it, more so than ever before. And the bar has been raised in terms of what employers expect. That's another big issue. Um, you need to really be ready to walk into your job and hit the ground running. And lastly, I think we have to all be more, as I say in the book, uber adaptable. You have to be over the top in your willingness to to think about how you want to go about changes and how you can be ready to do whatever your patrons or your students or your clients need and, and what your employer expects. And, you know, one of the interesting things you said in your book is that the career ladder no longer fits that metaphor. And you talk mm -hmm. a, about a different metaphor, bouldering. Can you explain mm -hmm. that? Sure, you bet. Well, you know, the career ladder hasn't worked for quite a while. Uh, when we look at a ladder, it's pretty narrow, isn't it? Only one person can go up at a time generally. And, and what we know in today's workplace is that there's not as many positions uh, if one goes up to the next level of senior, then then the next level and senior management up and up. It doesn't work anymore. Um, a long time ago, Bev Kay wrote a book called Up is Not the Only Way, and that's so very true. Uh, I wanted to take that idea and go further with it and say, yeah, um, it's not the only way, and bouldering <laughs> seems to fit. Uh, bouldering is, is, if you know what bouldering is, and I learned more about it from interviewing someone who did it, it's this notion of, it's a rock climbing, it's a form of rock climbing with either artificial rock forms or, you know, climbing not necessarily that very high. Oftentimes you can do it inside somewhere, but it's without ropes, it's without, um, you know, any other things that help you, just your own hands and your own wits about you, and it's more zigzaggy. You don't go straight up. You look this way, you look that way, you check out that climbing opportunity, you check out that handhold, and I think it's a great metaphor because that's what our careers are about these days, is zigzagging to find the best opportunity and the best way of moving forward. You use also a lot of interesting acronyms in your book. Um, <laughs> yeah. Like VUCA and YOYO, can you describe some of those acronyms and how they fit in with this sense of career changing, the career sure. environment changing? They they fit in with, um, I think, bouldering too. But so VUCA, V-U-C-A, used a long time ago, I don't know, 30 years ago maybe, but in a different context. VUCA stands for Volatile, Uncertain, Complex, and Ambiguous. And if that isn't what our workplace is these days, I don't, I don't know. But we have to be able to, you know, not react to, but be ready for that VUCA workplace. YOYO, Y-O-Y-O, stands for your on, your own. Um, Helen Harkness introduced the idea years ago, and, and it's so true today. It's not that your employer is there to guide you every step of the way. It's the facts of life is that they are that you are on your own and you need to think that way be proactive and own your own career let me add two others real quick so fomo f o m o stands for fear of missing out and in our in our crazy hectic world i think especially in the workplace especially when you hear about what's happening and, and did I miss anything, we have this fear of missing out that we have to be informed all the time because things are moving so quickly. And my, the last one, my favorite one, is nomophobia, <laughs> which 
actually stands for fear of being without one cell phone, which is another thing that can produce anxiety. So we have to find ways to take good care of ourselves in this ever, I don't know, what's the word, um, fast pace in our workplaces. You talked a little bit about anxiety there, and that these are some of the anxiety points. Um, mm-hmm. I know you go to, you participate in ALA's conferences each year, and you you meet one-on-one with library staff, library workers in the placement center in the, for career coaching. Yeah. Um, what what do seem to be their biggest anxieties or pain points? Sure. Sure. Well, you know, I've been doing this since the year 2000, going twice a year, and it's it shifted somewhat over the years, and there always seem to be some particular themes. But here's what it, I think it boils down to. What I see a lot is concerned for students about how do I find a job, um, or for those who've been in uh, there for a while, how do I move to a different position um, or a different industry? I'm seeing more and more who are saying, where else can I use these skills? And then... Here's the bottom bottom line. How do I make such a change? And that's what I do. And there are 20 sessions, 20 minute sessions is all we have. Um, but it's like, how can I help them so it's not a random search or a random, you know, trying to find something new or different or or even better use the skills they have. That's a big one as well. But how can they do it strategically? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And. And how can they do it strategically? Well, oh, what definitely. They, what do they need to look for or, or to make a strategic move? Sure. So um, weaving back to your, your first question about, you know, uh, just this whole issue of what are the trends and what's changing and then talking about everything from VUCA to bouldering, what they can do is they can be – much more flexible in how they define advancement. If it's up that ladder, that's pretty narrow in terms of what they can do. One person I talked to was hoping that their library director would retire so they could then move into that role, but that library director wasn't due to retire for another 15 years. So you see the challenge there. But what I try to point out in the book, Be Opportunity Minded, is let's see how you define opportunity. And I ask them to do that. And then let's talk about how you can identify them. And then let's talk about how you can get in front of what's happening in your library, in the industry overall, so that, like, for instance, looking at trends, how can you pay attention to what matters and what's important? And finally, what's the so what in all of this for you and all these trends and that? How can you get in front of it and make a difference based on what you bring to the table? Yeah, you mentioned your book, and that's um, going to be coming out in a few weeks. And I know everyone here is very excited about it because it pairs mm. career advice with those with personal prompts, so mm. readers can actually get in and use it as a workbook. Um, one of the exercises you include in the book is called "Think Like a Futurist." So, can you talk a little yes. bit more about that? Yeah, that, that's a very exciting part for me. So think like a futurist. Well, uh, what's true is organizations have always thought like futurists. They look down the road. They see what's best for their organization. I'm suggesting that we all need to do this um, on our on our own behalf. The, the good part is um, it, uh, at ALA's um, site, there's a Center for the Future of Libraries. Um, and what's very cool about it is that it has a listing 
of all the trends that are really important um, in libraries right now. And these are trends that cross technology, they cross all kinds of areas. And I'd say there's probably a list of at least 25, and I know the list is growing. But So if, if they went to the Center for the Future of Libraries, they could see it. But everything from, I'll just mention a couple, everything from badging to aging advances to co-working to creative placemaking, data everywhere, you'll see the whole list of them. But I'm suggesting that they look at those trends, and when I say they, I'm talking about library workers, librarians, information services professionals. I want them to look at those trends and say, so what? So what does this mean for me? How might this impact my library, where I work? And then how can I contribute to it from my knowledge base? Or what skills do I need to upgrade and update myself so that, in fact, I can offer something that will meet the needs of our patrons and our students? For instance, I know more getting involved in first-year experience uh, for students who are just starting out in college, how to better help them. For others, it's a matter of taking technology like, um, oh, there's just so many. There's actually something called Babblefish I read about where librarians can use this technology to translate whatever a patron asks for, no matter what language it's in. Isn't that amazing? Um, yes. And they're able to then help them. Uh, so there's all kinds of new technology. So know what the trends are in technology and see how you can offer something to that, bring something to the table out of your skills. The other thing in Think Like a Futurist is we always play what-if games. It's part of who we are. What if this happened? What if that happened? Well, think about what if technology changes. Think about what if this were to come to our library, um, funding goes down, which is a big challenge for, for many libraries. What can I do? If that happens, what will happen to my position? How can I reposition myself? How can I still serve the needs of those who walk through the doors? So look down the road, play what if, but then play it out. Don't let it just stay at the what if stage. What can I do differently to really help if this were to happen? And look at the trends. What can I do? Or look at an ideal future for yourself and work backwards. Okay, I really want to go into digitization or whatever it might be. All right, I don't know all about it right now, but if that's where I want to be, how can I sort of work backwards? What do I need to get there? What do I need to get there? So we have little incremental steps. Maybe it's continuous learning. Maybe it's a certification. Maybe it's going back to school. Maybe it's just job rotation, a number of things. And I'll be quiet now because this is exciting to me and I could go on forever. <laughs> I hope that answered your question. <laughs> oh, it absolutely did. But it brought up another question, which is, what do you tell people who are afraid of change, who are mm -hmm. look at the future and they don't like what they see and they're just not sure how they're going to fit in? How do mm -hmm. they overcome their fears? Sure. I think it goes back to that fear and anxiety. And I think all of us, you know, if, if change is delightful, we're all for it. But if we're not sure about it, we're, we're a bit anxious. It goes also back to what I said about being uber adaptable. That doesn't mean that tomorrow you change everything. How about one step at a time? Um, Greg Levoy wrote a book long ago called Callings. And in it, he mentioned something about one step further from where we are right now. So let me use that to talk about how can we do, you know, if we're anxious about change, if we're worried, what's one little change you can do right now? Maybe it's the order you do your work in. Maybe it's changing the way you go about your work. 
either with a patron, a student, your research, whatever it is, try one little change, even if it means driving home a different way than you did yesterday, a different kind of place to go to eat at lunch. I know this sounds, it may sound silly because these are small things, but small things, when we look back on them and say, I did that and I did it successfully, or I learned that I needed to do it a different way, gives us more courage, I think, to try another change. So that when change is announced formally, we say, I've done some before, I've learned how to roll with it, so to speak. What's one way I can take care of myself as I try this new thing out, whatever this new thing is, a procedure, a policy, um, a position, whatever it might be? Small steps. Are you interested in starting your own podcast? Of course you are. Then join me at the American Library Association's Midwinter Meeting and Exhibition in Seattle, Washington on Saturday, January 26th at 11 a.m. for So You Want a Podcast, a panel discussion that I'm hosting on the pop-top stage in the exhibit hall. You can hear me and several other library podcasters, well, just talk about podcasting, how we got into it, what were our inspirations, what kind of equipment do we use, uh, how do we promote and brand our podcasts? How did we talk our colleagues and higher-ups administrators into taking a risk and letting us talk on air for hours and hours on end? And also, we'll have tips on how you can start your own podcast. So, join us Saturday, January 26, 11 a.m. for So You Want a Podcast on the Pop Top Stage. And also, don't forget, there is still time to register for the ALA Midwinter Meeting. Join us for five days of panels, forums, and speakers, including Melinda Gates, Rick Steves, and many more. And of course, don't forget the podcast panel. You can visit 2019.alamidwinter.org for more information and to register. I'll see you there. David Connolly's job as recruitment ad sales manager for ALA's job list gives him unique insight into the needs of both job seekers and organizations looking to hire new employees. In the recent issue of American Libraries Magazine, that's the November-December 2018 issue, David penned an insightful piece for us about what should be put into job ads to find the best candidates. David and I spoke recently about those issues and much, much more. We're here with David Connolly. David, welcome to the Dewey Decimal Podcast. Thanks for having me. And David, you work at JobList here at ALA. Yes. And uh, for some of our listeners who might not be familiar with JobList and what's, what you do and what, what JobList does, can you just uh, give us a little, little primer real fast? Sure thing. ALA JobList is the association's big job board for positions of all types in uh, library and information science and technology, all different types of organizations, all kinds of roles. Uh, it launched in 2006, growing out of the old print classified job ad business that ACRL's College and Research Libraries News Magazine and American Libraries Magazine used to run uh, as kind of the modern equivalent of that. Uh, typically sees about 60 to 70,000 visits a month. Got over 20,000 followers on a Twitter feed that both sends out new notifications of every new job ad uh, that's posted, as well as uh, I keep an eye out and just try and find kind of news of interest to people who are either job seeking or that relates to kind of career development uh, and just kind of general job search advice and share that out uh, through that as well. 
The job search process. I think it's it's something that we've all been involved in, whether we're looking for a job or we're an employer looking for um, candidates. Um, that can be miserable either way, right? Yes, yes. And um, I think it's, it's something that we all, although we all have experience with, we all still might be in the dark a little bit. Um, now, you, you, you're an expert. You have... You have all the, the wisdom as as someone on both sides as for people that are on both sides of that people looking for a job or, or an employer looking for a candidate. What more should we be doing as, for example, if we're looking for a job, uh, what should we be putting on our resumes? What should we be putting in, in um, cover letters? What will what will make those things pop? Well, I'm an expert observer. Anyway. I don't know if I call myself an expert. Uh, I feel for anybody in the middle of the process, for sure, right? Um, and sure, don't wish that on anyone, but it's uh, how we all move forward. Uh, one of the things that has come up a lot lately, uh, and you saw this actually in the resume yay or resume nay article in the recent uh, cover story, uh, is the suggestion to include your non-library experience if it can be tailored to show how it's directly applicable to the library position that you're applying for. Uh, an example of that would be, especially for people early in their career, when they don't have a lot of actual library experience to back them up, uh, to show that they do have, still have some real world experience that can apply. Uh, for example, maybe some customer service experience that you had uh, working retail or in the bookstore, uh, college, uh, or you know whatever it might uh, interaction with the public, uh, people coming to you with questions, things like that, if you've got a frontline role especially. Uh, any skills or experience demonstrating your tech savviness can be an asset, I think, in pretty much any role these days. Uh, so even if it's not a piece of software that you're necessarily going to use in the job that you're applying for, I think there are still ways you can kind of spin that to show, you know, I can pick things up and I can apply them and uh, just kind of things like that. Uh, any don't hesitate to brainstorm with someone else, especially, that can help too. Uh, just tell your story to someone and see how you can kind of spin that to talk directly to the position that you're looking to get into. Okay. Now, uh, what about the other side? If you are a, an organization, large or small, looking for that right candidate, uh, what can they do to find the right candidates? Like, uh, for instance, writing like the perfect job ad, like what, what advice or tips can you give them? One of the things that I think corporate job recruiters have kind of come around to that's been slower to get into kind of academia and public service jobs uh, is that job ads, they're advertising, it's marketing. Uh, and that's not how I think it's been historically treated. Uh, I think in the print days, it maybe did a little bit better job because you it costs a lot to put those print words into a magazine. Mm -hmm. uh, so you don't even include the laundry list that you see floating around these days. You know, some of these so-called job ads are nothing more than a dry laundry list job description that's got 15 bullet points of every obscure thing that you might have to do once every three years in your job. That's not what's going to attract the top talent. Uh, Use it as a marketing exercise. If you have access to either uh, municipal or, or your organizational marketing or PR people, work with them on it. What can you tell people 
about your organization, about your community, because in many time, in cases in librarianship, you're trying to get people to move uh, and come to your community, especially if you're not in an urban center. Uh, why would they want to do that? Tell them. Uh, and another piece of that, of course, would be to include the salary and benefits information. Uh, the first thing that a job seeker has to think about is, is this going to, A, respect me and pay me, compensate me fairly for my skills and my expertise, and B, can I take care of myself and my family's needs? Uh, and if you're not addressing that up front in the ad, that just makes them have to guess. Uh, and nobody, that benefits no one. Now the salary question is, is interesting, and you address this in your, your piece that you wrote for us in our, our latest issue, uh, Help Wanted. Uh, about the salary, uh, you recommend, as you just mentioned, that employers put that information in the ads, but some don't. Um, why is that? Why do you think that some employers are apprehensive about including that type of information? Well, this is a perennial issue, uh, and it's not unique to librarianship by any means. Um, part of it comes down to the old kind of negotiating tactics. Everybody, you're, you're always told you don't want to be the first one to put a number on the table, mm -hmm. whether you're buying and selling something or you're negotiating a salary. Uh, obviously, employers want to get the best person for that role that they can and pay the least. That's just how an organization works. You're trying to maximize your budget. On the other side, of course, we want to get as much as we can get. Uh, and we want to be compensated fairly, like I mentioned a minute ago. Uh, I don't think that's actually what the source of a lot of the lack of salary information in library jobs is, however. Uh, first of all, we see about a 50-50 split in jobs that do and don't include at least some kind of salary range. Uh, but in the cases of library jobs, in most cases, you're not, with the exception of maybe special libraries and corporate uh, library positions, you're subject to the rules that are governed by your state or your municipality or your school. Uh, and the libraries specifically may not have any influence on that whatsoever. They're just limited to what their organization tells them they can and cannot do. Uh, and the same goes, unfortunately, for some of that very dry ad content that I mentioned. Uh, if it is possible, I absolutely recommend it because we have heard from employers that when they've got salary information, they get more and better qualified applicants. So it's obviously to your benefit to be able to attract that kind of talent. Uh, if you aren't allowed because of HR policies, then try work to make the change within your own organization or whatever structure you're in. Uh, but frankly, it's just, it's to the employer's benefit. They may think that they are winning in the short term by having a better negotiating stance, but in the long term, having a lesser candidate or lesser person fill that role costs you. So you benefit, in a sense, if you're paying what someone who's gonna excel in that role is worth. Um, now, Jobless is one of, of, of many opportunities and avenues that ALA offers for people looking for jobs. Uh, what else can job seekers, uh, employers, uh, find here at ALA to help them in the process? Well, obviously, as an association, it's core to our role uh, to 
both bring people together to network and to learn from each other, professional development, those kind of opportunities, we all know about them. Uh, certainly, especially for early career folks, I recommend seeking out any webinars, and you can find many free or sponsored ones these days, uh, but many that are worth paying a bit as well, uh, that will teach you about things that maybe you don't quite know about, or maybe you're interested in and just want to learn a bit more about to see whether you want to put any effort into going uh, into another direction. Uh, you can learn about different softwares, things like that. Uh, around job search and career development itself, uh, ALA's got a companion organization, the Allied Professional Association, or ALA-APA, uh, that is specifically targeted toward supporting librarians. Uh, if you take a look at their website at ala-apa.org, you can sign up for their free library work-life newsletter, uh, which covers a variety of topics from library-oriented career advice to developments in union and HR laws and how that affects libraries, uh, as well as a lot, they've got a big emphasis uh, on kind of work-life balance and wellness uh, recently. Uh, they've also got a toolkit that helps with advocating for better salaries, both you personally in your individual negotiations and just as a profession, how you can work together to try and influence like municipal policies, for example. Uh, another one that I would mention is an ALA unit, the Office for Human Resource Development and Recruitment, or HRDR, and they just released a career development resource guide last year that can be downloaded or printed, and they also keep up links to a variety of job search and career advice articles, and you can find those at ala.org hrdr under the Employment Resources section. They also operate the face-to-face -face ALA Jobless Placement and Career Development Centers at ALA and ACRL conferences, which is an opportunity for people not only to interview with hiring employers, but also sit uh, for workshops and seminars on a variety of career development topics. Yeah, I can I can speak to, I've witnessed you know, the many, many people coming in and out of those conference, ALA conference uh, workshops and whatnot, and they're always packed and they're always informative. So get on that. And as for those links that David mentioned, we'll have those uh, up on our Twitter page. Uh, David, thanks so much for joining us on Dewey Decimal today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. That wraps another episode of the Dewey Decibel podcast. Thanks again to Caitlin Williams and David Connolly for talking jobs with us today. Join us next month as we wrap up the year with interviews with some of the many people that American Libraries Magazine spoke with in 2018, including clips from our talks with Sally Field, Bill Nye the Science Guy, and many, many more. You don't want to miss this one. If you need to find us somewhere outside of the podcast land, you can find us on Facebook, you can find us on Twitter, or you can reach me directly at DeweyDecibel at ALA.org. Send us your story ideas, compliments, things you don't like, we want to hear everything. And also, for the you iTunes uh, listeners, rate us. Give us uh, a review. Your words help us raise in the ranking and reach more people. As always, I'm Phil Morehart, Associate Editor of American Libraries Magazine, and this is the Dewey Decibel Podcast. ALA Job List is the award-winning source for jobs in library science and technology. If you're looking for a new job or an employer who wants to advertise a job opening, JobList has you covered. Job seekers can refine and filter searches by position type, employer, or location. 
post resumes, and automate alerts to never miss a posting. Employers can rest easy knowing that ALA reaches the engaged professionals that they want to hire. It also simplifies recruiting by offering flat rate pricing, discounted multi-ad packages, and enhanced postings for increased visibility. ALA Job List. It's where job seekers and employers get results. Visit joblist.ala.org for more information or to begin your search today. Get on the list.